Hi, it's Justin here from the Jeremy's Iron Podcast. Just giving you a bit of a pre-message on this one to let you know that we have a Facebook page now and a Twitter account. So if you like the show, feel free to join us on either of those. We're Jeremy's Iron on Facebook and at Jeremy's Iron Pod on Twitter. And also I might just issue a quick apology for the sound quality of this particular episode. It's not too bad, but uh, there was a huge storm that came into Sydney on the evening of the Wentworth by-election. So not only do we chat about that a little bit, but you'll hear it's raining cats and dogs in my kitchen studio that we record in. And now to the show. Okay. Uh, Welcome to Jeremy's Iron. It is a scientific podcast exploring the bullshit of the wellness industry. It's a conversation between a statistician and a doctor with me, Justin Sharma. And me, Justin Phelps. (laughs) Very good. I'm glad we have someone who can join us in our anagram game. We take proper names and rearrange the letters to form a description of that person. Like, uh, Alec Guinness. Now, if you're listening in closely, or perhaps not even closely at all, you'd hear it's pissing down currently. Yeah. This is the uh, what how we deal with in, in Sydney, Sydney's glorious... How many mills do you think we've got in the last 20 minutes? Mill? Oh, my goodness. A yeah. lot of mills. Yeah. Well, like Rob Mills. Eight, eight mills? Eight mills of downfall? <laughs> Dude, you missed my Rob Mills call. Anyway. R- Rob Mills? <laughs> Millsy. 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 <laughs> of, of first-gen Australian how, how many, fame? How many Millsy do you think? Anyway. Uh, a lot of Millsy mills. I know. Yeah, it's been a lot of mills in the last, <laughs> and you can probably hear the thunder as well. Goodness, it's cracking. But this is the, uh, I should say, happy Wentworth election eve. Thank Justin you, Bobbin. Justin. Thank you, thank you. Um, I think we, we've discussed this a little bit on air, but it seems that you've forgotten to vote, given that you're actually in the. Dude, I have seen these people out like in the street with their like placards and like handing out stuff. Yeah. And every like few months or a year, we see people doing that kind of stuff. I never know what it's for. People tell me to go and vote, and then I just go and vote for whatever it yeah. seems to be that I have to vote for. <laughs> yeah. I rarely know what I'm doing and what level of government it's for. I've been seeing these guys. I didn't know any of the names. I don't know who people are. Karen Phelps <laughs> I know because she's like the pseudo aunt of a guy we knew from uni right. slash high school. Yeah. Uh, I, I, they, that's, I, I that's feel like all that I know. You would be really helped with when to vote cards, not just how to vote cards. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Hand what? For yeah, I, I don't. I don't know anything but about this. But you're actually going to be. You're going to be fine. You know that, right? Yeah. Well, I was hoping to vote tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no can do. The my, my brother. They're literally counting the votes as we speak. My little brother, who's never voted in his life, told me I could vote tomorrow. No, that is. That is not true. Yeah. That is not true. Well. Um, Evidently. For, for anyone listening that's not from Sydney or Australia, th- th- it is probably one of the more ridiculous days in Australian political history right now. We've had, in the last, what, 10 years, I think four, four sitting prime ministers that have been knifed by their own party. Yeah, name them. Uh, Kevin Rudd, Julia Gillard. Yeah. Abbott. Abbott. 
Was he knifed? Yeah. He was? Yeah. yeah and okay. then Turnbull. Who knifed him? I got that shit. Yeah, you got it. Oh, it was Turnbull knifed him. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right. So we are currently the laughingstock politically of the world. So it's been too labor and too liberal, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. And now there's a there's a by-election in the yeah. seat of the. Uh, what does ousted by-election mean? Because the prime minister got ousted. Well, what's do? a by-election? What does it mean? What, what's in, why? There's only one electorate that's currently. So why is it called by? Because it's not an election. Because an election is a general election where yeah. every um, seat votes. But this is but just. It's only one, one electorate. It should be a mono election. It's by, not bi. You dipshit. By oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Political. Dude, I really we don't know should, what's going on. We should change this so we do have a political section where you can explain a lot of the political landscape to our... I our wish people could explain it to me. If I explained it, it'd be like drunk history. <laughs> <laughs> Except sober, but as educational. I, I don't know what's going on. Believe it or not, this is a scientific podcast. And yeah. today... Yeah, we're about evidence, <laughs> we're right? Gonna, we're about evidence. Yeah. We're going to be talking about <laughs> microwaves. Uh-huh. Uh, the only reason we're going to be talking about microwaves is that it seems to still be... A problem for some people. They, they think that it's... Uh, you are getting up to the gills, aren't you? People talking about the well, radiation. Yeah. Well, they think it's carcinogenic. They yeah. think re- reheating food in a microwave is carcinogenic. And also, it destroys the nutrients in food. Did they tell you this while they spoke to you on their cell phones? <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. While they're irradiating their brains. They're like, dude, you've got to go stop using that microwave. Yeah. <laughs> Have you gone a minute? <laughs> Um, Let me yeah. list the ways. No, but we're, we're, what we're going to do is we're going to yeah. um, just go through the existing scientific literature that, that debunks that, essentially. I mean, yeah. I don't want to give it, give it away, but... Um, you just did. But it's interesting enough because there's, there's quite a few reports and, and there's, there's some instances where microwaves are not as good as conventional cooking methods and we'll see why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've then, got some stuff to say about that, I think. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there, my friend. Yeah. The other thing we're going to do is talk about uh, repeat studies, and I'm going to I'm going to dovetail this into our discussion of microwaves. Don't don't worry about that. I'll get there. I'm I'll, not worried. I'll, I'll segue. Baby. I trust you with all segue. my heart and soul. Um, but there's over the last sort of four or five years, there's been a lot of replicate studies. Uh-huh. So in in other words, when stuff gets published, yeah, often people think, okay, well that's the effect, that's the result, and they rely on that. Um, but then occasionally people go, well, let's try to replicate that using our data, using exactly the same methods to see if we get the same results. And there's been a whole furor over the last sort of four or five years about replicate studies. And we're going to div- dig into that just a little bit, just a little bit, but it's going to, it's going to all relate. Just a touch, right? We're, we're going to itch it, huh? We're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Scratch it. Sure. Um, but because we've got a lot to chat about, I feel like we'll, we'll hold over our little, uh, our normal little chit chat at the beginning. Uh-huh. Unless, have you got anything on the on your mind? JB? No, I'm a, I'm a tabula rasa today. <laughs> got nothing. Tabula rasa. Tabula rasa. Rasa. I don't get that. Blank slate. Rasa. Rasa. Oh, I thought it was like rasa. Like no, 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 no. That'd be a red slate. Yeah, tabula. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm a, a rum, red slate. I'm a pink slate. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm a blank slate. I got nothing today. My brain's fried. Okay. Well, we're going to get straight into the science <laughs> too, as opposed to our last too, couple of episodes. I've been, I've been, I've been microwaving too much. <laughs> today we have had a political discussion which was important so i feel yeah. like we've, we've got out we've done our well you work. realize very quickly i'm not a man to go toe-to-toe with the political discussion no you are not to the science to after, the, after this
so for the background of this, let me... Can I tell you the... The, uh, the I, context? I, yeah, the context yeah. of this. I think I know the context, but tell tell the the listeners who are wondering, well, why are you talking about this? All right, well, I... I, I um, Where's this coming gaslight, from? I gaslight occasionally at a uh, community restaurant here. I think you moonlight. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Gaslight is Gaslighting like is, is like lying to people and trying to convince them that oh, they're that they're crazy, yes. right? That's right. So, so if you were gaslighting gaslight. at a restaurant, that means that you're telling us that you work at a restaurant, and then people go there, they don't see you, and then they're like, "Dude, I don't think you work at that restaurant." You're like, "Yeah, I do." Maybe you didn't go to the restaurant, <laughs> <laughs> and then you do it to the point where you abuse them psychologically and emotionally so badly that they actually believe that maybe they are liars and that they're mistaken and that you're actually a really good guy. So let me tell you about my gaslight. <laughs> I, I moonlight at this... Let's continue. I moonlight at this uh, community Thanks. restaurant and uh, it basically... It's, um, it allows people to eat for cheap or free if they can't afford it. So it's yeah. one of those sort of you know, touchy-feely kind of... You know, good, good, good vibe places. Yeah, right? we, we got a friend that loves that because he, gets, he enjoys taking advantage yeah. of the... Uh, of the volunteer donation. Sure. Um, but they don't have any microwaves there. So occasionally people will say, oh, can we heat this up or something? Mm-hmm. And then we'll be like, oh, no, we don't have microwaves. And I, was go- I got a chatting to a few people from there and they are anti-microwave. So I, sure. I, I said, I, you know, I use my microwaves. Do you know, I, I use a microwave occasionally to heat up. Question. Yes. Um, I'll try to raise my hand when I want to interject, but it's only when it's like dovetails right into what you're saying right now, right? Which is, there's no microwaves at this restaurant, this kitchen. Yep. Is that because they, the proprietors, don't like them? Or is there another reason why you don't have them? It could be a bit of both. Okay. Uh, That's interesting, right? Because I could totally see that it's like a, an ethos. We don't have microwaves because of the reasons we'll discuss. Or is it an observation bias that because the restaurant it is, the people who you're surrounded by, it feels as though that's the reason, but I don't know. Do restaurants have microwaves? I, I, I'm not I sure know. I have a microwave. I don't even know. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay, anyway, whatever. Anyway, there's a, a few members of the other members of the restaurant. We got yeah. we got a chatting uh-huh. about microwaves, yeah. and they were convinced that microwaves destroy the nutrients in food. Sure. And, and that they also cause cancer, right? So there's, those were their two complaints about microwaves, and they were shocked that I was using a microwave. Yeah, well, it's a bad combination. Well, terrible If I believe that, and I would wonder why you were doing it too. It's crazy. And I, I hadn't looked at any of this, to be honest with you. Had you uh, heard about it? Uh, any inkling? Some years ago, I, I remember thinking about it, and, and maybe like a decade ago, thinking yeah. about it. Um, but basically, my thinking at the time was, microwaves have been around for 40 fucking years, right? More. Early, eight, early 80s, right? Late 70s? No, nah, dude, like 60s, 70s. Right, oh, geez, okay. Well, yeah. great. So 50 years, right? Yeah. My thoughts were, if there was some evidence, it, we, would, we would see it by now. Right? We'd know. We yeah. would know, right? Um, and they, they definitely did not accept that. Unless, unless thought, we're drinking the hot Kool-Aid no, so but then, bad. But then I went, did a little bit of research, yeah. and there's so much evidence out there that, that um, suggests that it's not. Yeah. Um, and then I presented it to them, but they were still very much like... They didn't want a piece of it. They were like, "You go ahead, you know, give yourself three, a third eye kind of thing." You're just you know, buying into big wave, man. The big what? Big wave. Big wave. <laughs> yeah, <it's>, maybe. <laughs> big heat. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah. So th- that is the context uh, for this discussion. So I thought, even though this might be done to death, there's still lots of people out there that think that microwaves um, are detrimental to health. Mm-hmm. 
So before we actually look at the research, because some of it's quite interesting, um, do you want to give us a rundown, put you on the spot? Yeah. How's a microwave work? Just okay. So with all of your scientific nous and knowledges. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna what's it? I'm gonna drop some science like Galileo dropped the orange. You know where that's from? No. BC Boys. It's not bad. We'll play that later <laughs> if we can get the rights. Um, yeah, okay. So microwave, you put your food inside, mm. you plug it in. Uh, electricity runs, I think electricity goes through what's called a magnetron, which is the like the power center of the mm. microwave. And when that gets energized, it gives off um, microwaves. And microwaves are a thing. It's, there's, you know, you have radio waves. And so on the electromagnetic spectrum, which includes everything from light up into and including radiation of, of some varieties. Um, microwave is a certain it's wavelength. It's a wavelength. It's right? a wavelength. It's some certain, kind of like yeah. nanometer yeah. thing. Yeah. Or whatever and even though they're called microwaves, they're actually pretty big, I think, from memory. The wavelength, yeah. So, yeah. So I think they're still on the order of like several mils, mm-hmm. if not bigger. Anyway, so the Mantron makes these microwaves and the microwaves penetrate your food and they actually energize the water mole. I think it's the water molecules and they, that's right. They cause them to vibrate and the vibration causes friction and the friction heats things up. So it's literally kinetic energy, right? Yeah. That's all it is. So, yeah. so it is wave energy. Yeah. Being trend, turned kinetic. into kinetic energy, which yeah. is turning into heat energy being, okay. being lost as heat. So, so where does the idea that things that this is carcinogenic come from. I mean, we know that say what um, ultraviolet light, mm-hmm. right? That's still on the same spectrum, is it not? Yeah, and that's carcinogenic. It is. That's right. And you know, gamma rays and cosmic rays and all that kind of stuff would be. Well, I think that the I think that's I think you're right. Well, we know that radiation is both the cause of and solution to many of life's problems, right? Right. Yeah. Radiation can cause cancer. Radiation can cure cancer. Sure. Uh, right. Um, so, so are you saying that microwaves are not on the part of the spectrum? I'm not saying, is- well, no, I'm not saying that. So what I'm saying, uh, so what I'm saying is that um, the way the microwave, sorry, the radiation, so any wavelength on that electromagnetic spectrum, right? I think probably could cause cancer. Um, but the question is, what's it being pointed at, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so radiation can cause cancer, can cure cancer. The take home from that is that it has an effect on living cells, right? Um, to have cancer, you have to have a cell that's alive. And it has to, cancer is the uncontrolled um, division of cells, right? So cells start to divide, 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 and they escape the body's usual kind of control mechanisms, kind of keep it all in check. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a function of a living cell. You can't have a, a dead cell become cancerous, right? You can't have, uh, you can't take dead wood and make it cancerous. It doesn't work that way. It's, yeah. it's a function of changing how so a living thing reproduces um, or a living cell only, really. So, and then you can also use radiation to kill cancer, right? So you can target cells that are, so instead of um, so damaging can, the cell on the DNA in the cell yeah. with some radiation, you can actually kill those cells. So you can give so much radiation that it doesn't just mutate it. It just it just it. it just nukes it, right? and you can direct that at particular cells. Yeah. That and of course, you can only malignant. kill living cells. You can't kill dead cells. Yeah. Um, so they have that in common. They're, that pathway, they're only affecting living things. So I guess in this I case, think, it's like what are as you were saying? Yeah. What are these? What are they? Waves what are they directed at? 
Yeah. And it's not at the human. They're directed at dead things, right? Yeah. Uh, inanimate things. So I think the idea is, yeah, people will get con- easily confused. Or but if of... I was to take something out of the microwave yeah. and then consume it after it had had it, all the microwaves in it, Just... I'm not cons- there's no in... more microwaves. Well, right? there's, no, there's no particles, right? So unlike... Um, you can have radi- a radioactive decay, right? I think we actually are losing. Mm. There's radiation, which can be like particulate uh, decay, right? We actually are losing um, from the, I think, well, I have to edit this part out. <laughs> yeah, that's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, you, when something decays, when you, when you release electromagnetic radiation from uh, whatever, um, the waves can damage cells mm-hmm. but they don't really lodge they're not bullets they don't lodge anything in you the energy goes right through you passes in you and passes outside of you and in the process like a little bullet it hurts you but you don't that little piece of radiation isn't lodged inside of you mm. and you yourself don't walk away being uh, uh, radi- radioactive in yourself right so mm. when you see cartoons or movies where people like leave a uh, like a meltdown and they're actually radioactive, or there are things from nearby of a, a nuclear meltdown that are radioactive. That's because they actually have radioactive material on them. They weren't just touched by the rays of it. They were actually. Ten, they actually like have they're, some they're, of the, they are yeah. radi- have ra- the radioactive but material. So, so their that body, is, they actually, their body is not radioactive itself. So if I was to hug someone that didn't have, if they ingested radioactive material, got it. Yeah. Yes. Okay. But not you wouldn't be radioactive from being irradiated by a radioactive material. Got it. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So there you go. So, and then in particular, microwaves, right, are just a wavelength of energy. It's just a kind of energy. Mm. And so there's nothing to be stuck in you. There's nothing that can get lodged inside of you. Um, it just doesn't work that way. Mm. It's just energy. Just like It's like sun, but just sun that can go right through you. Um, and that's all it is. So I think people get stuck, get caught in the idea of old school ideas of, of radiation, mm. right? And so this is one of those things like last week where some things just don't make sense from first principles. Like you can't make food radioactive and because all you're doing is heating it up. It's, it is just heating it up. Mm. That's all there is to it. The only danger yeah. would be from the rays themselves penetrating you. That's where the danger is, right? So, so I always remember my my mom, who, yeah. who was who was a bit of a hypochondriac at times, uh-huh. was always telling me to like not stand right in front of the microwave. Don't put your face yeah. right in front of the thing. Yeah. So may, may, I mean, depending on whether there's common the, thing, people always said like, yeah, don't get yeah. too close to the microwave. But it's not like don't eat the microwaved material. Exactly. Yeah. Right? So there's a difference. Okay. So everyone knows how the microwave, like the screen, has a little like holes in it, right? Yeah. It's always like a, those little yeah. like black screw, the little holes in it, right? There's a microwave actually... behind you that I'm kind of looking at right now. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it's got those little holes. Yeah. So those holes are actually smaller, even though they're like what? They're probably a couple of mils across and there's, it's open enough that you can see what's going on. I think I know what you're about to say. Those holes saying. are smaller than the wavelength of the microwave. Get out. Yeah. That's cool. So that's, so you can see inside, it, it's blocking them like 100%. There's no radio, there's no, there are, microwaves cannot leave that. They, they're not that strong. Yeah. Uh, so they're not going through the metal and they're too, they're too big. They're actually, they're too big to leave the screen. And Pretty if, cool, if right? My, if my base understanding about wavelength is correct, yeah. the shorter the wavelength, the worse that would be for us. Or is that completely bunk? Um, I don't know. The higher the frequency, right? Shorter the wavelength, higher the frequency. It doesn't always go that way. Does it? This, this oh yeah, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah, higher yeah. frequency. Yeah, of course. Shorter, shorter length. Yeah, higher frequency. So I was thinking amplitude. Yeah. 
Um, um, that's enough science. So basically, but that's interesting. I didn't know some of that stuff. That's good. Yeah. It's almost like we have we have nuggets of wisdom to offer. In, on I think that's we good. might. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's something a lot of people don't know. Hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. No, every door of a microwave has that like, yeah. Swiss cheese kind of yeah. thing going on. Yeah. That the, the fenestrated yeah. screen. <laughs> Um, okay, so why don't, why don't, yeah. if you don't mind, I'm happy to go through a couple of the, um, uh-huh. quite quickly, I've got maybe four or five different papers to, to run through. So we've, we've, sort of, we've laid the foundation here that there is no reason why yeah. microwave from, food from a deductive. Be, yeah, right. And like, again, just to reiterate, you have a dead piece of meat, for example, or like, or vegetable. Um, you can't take a dead cell and make it cancerous. And also, I'm pretty sure even if you did, I don't think you can get cancer from eating cancer like mm. for the most part i think you could you could eat a tumor i think you'd be okay <laughs> i feel like this is another n, n equals one i think so i can get you i'm gonna put you on tumors for the next I, time. <laughs> I hope solid diet of turmeric no tumors <laughs> That's really uh, good. uh yeah so so it doesn't make any I'll see sense if i can get the, the ethics done for that study that'd be a good one <laughs> <laughs> yeah be easy okay so if you don't mind i'll get through um uh, some of the yeah the material right uh-huh. so I've got a couple here where they're looking at the nutrient value of foods because I think I think most people are quite well most people are comfortable getting over the, the they're not potentially cancerous uh-huh. argument yeah but still some people still think that you're destroying the nutrient value of the foods right so yeah. you put the food in you take it out after it's microwaved and you're not you're not getting all your vitamins yeah I, your, I suspect the cancer fear is a low priority for a lot of people right yeah yeah, I think yeah. you're. Right. I think it's the nutrient idea. This it's a bad way to heat up food. All right. Well, let, let me let me give you some of the the um, the science or the re, you know medical research on that. Yeah. Um, I got a paper from 1982. Hell of a year. So, which is called the effect of microwaves on nutrient value of foods. What's it about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were looking at the nutri- nutritional effect. world's shortest abstract. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Uh, the nutritional effects of microwaves on protein, um, lipid, and mineral. Uh, so this this is the the conclusion here is that the the nutritional effects of microwaves on proteins, mm-hmm. lipids, and minerals appear minimal. So the, the minimal yeah. effect. Um, there's only slight differences between microwave and conventional cooking in vitamin retention of foods. So slight differences that are not statistically mm-hmm. significant by any measure. Yeah. Um, then the, in 1985 we get a um, uh, meta-analysis of a lot of the because there's yeah. a few quite a few microwaves we discussed happening. and we discussed meta-analyses you take a bunch of studies mm-hmm. we'll smash them all together and try and pull the most important parts of all of them yep and try to get some kind of aggregated effect from all of those studies put together big research um, this one again very very straightforward uh, title effects of microwave cooking slash reheating on nutrients and food systems uh-huh colon yeah a review of recent studies and this is from 1985 by Hoffman et al. I feel like we should say the name of the... Uh, the, uh, the co-authors? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ho- well... We don't play the et al. game, do we? I think we... We, we give credit where it's due. <laughs> so we can list six each time. Yeah. Uh, Hoffman et al. No, I'm going to just... Okay. Uh, so get this. The result of this was that there was equal or better retention of nutrients for microwaves as compared with conventional, uh, conventional cooking methods. So on the stove, for example. Mm-hmm. So I'd heard this for a and long this is time. For, so you knew it was, I it was knew potentially well, even better. Well, yeah. So going into this, when it came to the heating idea, heating in a microwave versus heating in like other things, like however else you want to heat it, 
Hmm. Um, that's certainly over boiling. I knew that cooking vegetables in hmm. water sucked the nutrients out of them. Right. And that makes sense because they're going to leach into the water and you're going to throw that water away. Yeah. So that alone, there's this osmotic idea that, yeah, boiling vegetables is bad. Anything else is probably going to be better. And that includes microwaves. Yeah. I don't think I thought much about oven versus microwave versus like magnifying glass on a sunny day. Slight, <laughs> slight aside. Yeah. I think there's a marketing opportunity for that leftover... Uh, vitamin juice. Vitamin juice. What, how how do you think right. they make vitamin water? That's a good point. That's a good point. What do you, what do you think is in that? They it's boil, old asparagus <laughs> water. <laughs> So anyway, this, this paper, 1985, um, that looked at the effect on thiamine, riboflavin, uh, riboflavin, yeah, pyridoxine. You, you can help me pronounce some of these. How do you spell it? P y r i d o x i n e, pyridoxine. Anyway, uh, peroxidine. Peroxidine. Oh, maybe I've written it down wrong. Ascorbic acid and folacin. Folacin. Oh, Ascorbic acid. It's a soft C. Folacin. Anyway, the, these for all those um, uh, the effects on all of those. Uh, yeah. What do you call it? What would you call them collectively? Um, nutrients. Nouns. <laughs> Nouns. <laughs> words. The yeah. effect on all of those words was that there was equal to or better retention for those particular nutrients yeah. in microwaves. Um, and they also the secondary uh, conclusion was that microwave cooked bacon had lower levels. I of saw this. Nitrosamine. Nitrosamines. 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 Yeah. Uh, than conventionally cooked bacon. I read, th- I read that. I read that. From nitrosamines. I, I read that. And I got to say, diet isn't something that I think about too much. But man, like every couple of years, I try and get off bacon. And it's just like... Is it for the nitrosamines? Yeah, it is. What do you mean? It Actually? is. Yeah. Well, that's what people say is the worst part of it. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's part of the, the curing process, right? Mm. So yeah, totally. Yeah, that's exactly why I don't do it. There's no way I'm putting micro- bacon in the microwave though. That'd oh, terrible. dude, have you had that... Crispy microwave bacon, but how does it? it it's unbelievable. There's no way it would crisp up in a microwave. Yeah, it does. There's uh, nothing gets crispy in a microwave. You can they're, they're, they make them so you put them in the microwave and it gets crispy. It's pre cooked in some way. I don't know. How, I don't know what they do. Right. I haven't got the patent. <laughs> if I did, I wouldn't be saying you're talking to you is about it, how is other it people. Paper bag that expands and then you start hearing popping and you know you can take it. No, out. it's. I don't think so. I think it's between like wax cheats or something technology it's dude it's incredible it's like the best bacon you've ever had okay so next next paper so this is, that was dealing with just nutrient retention mm-hmm. um actually as kids we used to microwave bacon i remember that too i've never thought of never never done it uh one in 2016 so that's still this is so let's fast forward 30 years i'll go back in a sec yeah this one popped up and i thought it was quite mm-hmm. uh, very particular effect of microwave drying and oven drying on the water as sorry fucking hell on the water activity, color, um, phenolic compounds, content, and antioxidant activity of coconut husk. You were trying to drop in a soft C after after I just gave it to you. <laughs> so this is specifically looking at coconut husk, and uh, one of a, a major source of protein <laughs> for humans. I don't know. I just I found that really strange that they would focus on coconut. Well, husk. I guess how did your mom cook coconut husk as a kid? Yeah, definitely not in a microwave. No, absolutely not. My mother, being um, an islander, would often cook it over a fire. That's a She'd tr- roast traditional it. way of doing it. Yeah. Um, no benefit mentioned for uh, conventional others. So again, uh-huh. even in the world of coconut husk, microwave comes out on top. Um, with the, there's an, another one dealing with um, the glycemic index of Indian and Pakistani basmati rice. Mm-hmm. 
uh, lower GI values achieved with rice when cooking with microwave. So it, appear, it appears like microwave microwaves not only are non-detrimental, but there seems to be some advantages for a variety of foods. Oh, totally. So surprising what I, to me. The crux of what I read about it was that, um, yeah, so heat can destroy nutrients in foods, right? Um, and enzymes too. Now, there's some debate about whether or not the enzymes that are in foods, like say vegetables, mm-hmm. are for you or are they for the animal? So the animal or the plant that actually has those enzymes, they're probably enzymes more related to like its growth. Mm. And they got nothing to do with you digesting the food. You have your own enzymes to digest food. They don't have their own like juice yeah, <laughs> to be cooked exactly. in, right? Yeah, yeah. They don't plan to be eaten no. <laughs> necessarily. So that doesn't make much sense. Um, but yeah, so heating stuff in general, no matter how you do it, has a risk of, of degrading the nutrients in the food. Um, and they tend to say that the method and that's proportional to how long and how hot you heat it right mm. and so you only want to cook things up to the point where you've made them more digestible you've broken down some of the proteins because cooking things makes it easier to eat cooking also releases proteins and releases some of the energy available for example like potatoes you can't eat a potato well you can eat it but you can't extract almost anything from a potato unless you cook it right it'll just go right through you right so in that case yeah you might sacrifice some of those nutrients but you can't get any of them unless you cook it so this is a bit of a catch twenty two, right? So there's this like sort of maximum minimum curve, right? You got to draw, which is like heating so versus protein loss. And at one point, you'll reach a point where it's like um, maximum digestibility and availability of the of the proteins or whatever it is, but minimum degradation of the stuff you need, right? So there's gonna be a kind of a sweet spot. So the, and that you're saying sp- that microwaves give us a bit more of an efficiency around. That. They do, yeah. So microwaves, the the method that gives you the shortest exposure to heat. And the most controlled or lowest heat is what's going to um, give you the best, hmm. um, like de- degrade your nutrients the least. Um, and that's a microwave because microwave cooks things way faster and way more efficiently hmm. than the conventional oven. <laughs> As a kid, it was like conventional ovens are like a thing. You know what I mean? Like the name, the nomenclature for the conventional oven. Yeah. When if you look at back and now, you're like, it just means the regular oven. It, it only exists in, in respect to the microwave. The microwave, that's right. Yeah. So that, that was terminology that was post-backdated. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah, totally. It was just, there were just ovens before that. And <laughs> right. in my mind, as, as a kid, it was just like, oh yeah, you know, you read in, like cooking books, but like turn on the conventional oven. Yeah. You kind of think of that as just the name of it. Like it always has been, but it's a post-microwave nomenclature. I guess because I was thinking, no, it's got nothing to do with the way it heats. No. It's not like it's convec- convection It's oven. not, it's no, not a conve- okay. I mean, there are convection, convection ovens, right? Yeah, but yeah. no, it's conventional. It's yeah, the just oven. the conventional oven. Just yeah. the oven that you probably had before you had a microwave. Um, anyway, whatever. I've got, I've got two papers here that have neg- uh, negative effects of the Ooh. microwave. Okay. This one's really interesting. Um, well, again, just very specific and that aroused my interest. Uh, there's... Protect, a protective effect of conventional cooking, and this goes along with what you were just saying, by the way, Yeah. Um, versus the use of microwave ovens in an outbreak of salmonella. So okay. if, the food, if the food already has salmonella in it, yeah. if you cook it conventionally on yeah. the stove in a skillet or whatever, right? Uh-huh. It actually cooks off a lot of the, the bugs, right? Okay. But if you put it in a microwave, it does not. Why does it not? I don't, I don't know the answer to things. I just know the... Uh, Could we get Rusty to run some numbers on that? Rusty! We need you to do a data check. So let, me, let me give you the, um, the background of this paper. So uh-huh. there was an outbreak of salmonella in some province of Alaska at some point, right? Sure. And there was a community picnic where a lot of people contracted salmonella and had diarrhea within the first couple of days or whatever. Yeah. 
Um, and it was discovered that there was a particular pork that was sold to them that was to, to blame. So the, the crux of the particular study was that many people, uh, so many people at the, the event ate the pork and contracted, contracted salmonella, but also there were 30 people that had the leftover pork when it got taken home yeah. and reheated it and ate it. And so also, some reheated in the microwave, some reheated on the conventional oven. Correct. So there were 20 that reheated it in, on a conventional oven and 10 reheated it in a microwave. Yeah. So in terms of how many of the microwaves, microwave group do you think got sick? How would you guess? I'm going to say 80%. It was 100. 10, uh, 10, 10 really? out of 10 and 0 out of 20. No way. Got sick. Wow. But, so the theory being that whatever the microwave does, it doesn't do enough to kill the salmonella bugs. In well, probably because it doesn't get food generally as hot. I mean, you probably could. You could nuke food in there. Yeah. I'm sure you could kill the salmonella, but the whole thing that makes it good is that you don't heat it quite as much. You have more control. That's right. Which means you generally won't. You heat it just till it's warm. Whereas exactly right. over so the oven, like, you're going to like nuke it back to 100 degrees or something. It dovetails quite nicely from yeah. what you were explaining before. Like yeah. you're destroying, in the process of heating, you destroy the bad stuff, like the, the yeah. bugs of the raw meat or the you know, mm-hmm. recooked meat or whatever. Yeah. But you're also destroying some of the nutrients. But, okay, so that's really cool. But it's not saying the microwaves are worse at it. No. They just, they're more, they have more modulation, right? Yeah. You can do it. So as long as you're not preparing salmonella laden you know, yeah. food yeah and if you are just heat it higher on a higher setting <laughs> if and longer yeah don't throw it out yeah like it's still dude, good. don't put it on defrost <laughs> don't, don't throw it out. <laughs> if you know your food has salmonella just cook it up cook it up cook speaking it up. of the defrost setting i bet you there's some wicked recipes for like doing some crazy stuff just using like the defrost mode really yeah just i think it's like, a, it's like i think it, it's like a low intensity mode mm. So, because you know, I think you can have like it's like settings like one to ten. I think defrost like a low setting, but you cook it for a long time. I bet you you can do like slow cooked, like a slow like, like a slow defrosted <laughs> like Atlantic trout or something. Oh. I bet you, I bet you, there's people out there experimenting with like the defrost settings. Well, people from forty years ago, yeah. No, now I reckon it's a thing. I bet mm-hmm. you on like um, Series Eats. There's a guy that's doing Kenji Lopez Alt is doing defrost setting gourmet. Uh, so the final paper is one called Survival of Listeria uh, on raw whole chickens cooked in a microwave oven. Um, Why would you cook a whole chicken exactly in a microwave oven? Exactly my point, my friend. Exactly This point. study is synthetic. So this doesn't exist. The, the conclusion says, if you're cooking a whole chicken, suggest not <laughs> using a microwave, which... No one has ever suggested cooking the whole chicken exactly. in so the microwave oven. If you're reheat, I think so. I think we've established that if you're reheating food, so long as it's not got salmonella, <laughs> microwaves are the go. If I go to someone's house and they say dinner will be five minutes, and I see them putting in a raw chicken, all like you know, garnished with like spices and yeah. whatever, yeah, yeah. as they put it <laughs> into the microwave on defrost for five minutes, I'm walking out the door. <laughs> I'm not staying for dinner. You didn't, no, that's right. And you take your dessert back with you. <laughs> I'm not, yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's kind of, that's kind of it. They're, yeah, they're, they're the and so look, it's cut and dry here. This is this is probably one of the podcasts that we're going to do that is is really cut and dry. But I think mm. it's important to go through some of this stuff because well, okay, I'm not quite done with this one yet though. Okay, well, well feel free to hit me. Can here. I throw a few more things in? Oh please. So we spoke about how why so microwaves are just heat, right? Yeah. Just a different way of transferring kinetic energy um, and causing some friction and heating up that food, right? Yeah. 
That's what boiling does. That's what everything does. Mm-hmm. Um, so people are thinking that heat, and we know heat can degrade nutrients. Yep. And But then why not just go on a raw diet? People love their raw diets now, right? Yeah, sure. You can avoid the whole thing. Yep. But like I said, there is evidence that you know you, we need to heat things to a certain amount. Now, obviously, animals don't heat things. They do just fine. But there's been some interesting research that shows when humans, we are so conditioned to eating over the last whatever it is, I think roughly between 500,000 and a million years, eating hot food, that we are not really able to live on a raw food diet anymore. It's when they give humans the same diet chimpanzees eat, um, which isn't like feces or something, it's just like raw carrots and whatever else. Yeah. Um, humans get particularly unhealthy when they do it. Like probably women like stop having periods and all kinds of happens when they go on like a purely animal diet. Um, it's not good for us. And we apparently have some genes that seem to be finely tuned to eating cooked food. It's um, fascinating that that's such a sort of a, a social part of our yeah. um, history that's now part of our biological... Our, our, our makeup. We, yeah. need it. we need it's it now. And what they think also because the turning point probably occurred around the same time as our brains got bigger. Now, which we don't know which happened first, brains getting bigger or getting better food, but we know that having big brains means we need a lot more energy, mm. um, which means we either need to eat way, way more food or find a way of eating the same amount of food but getting way more out of it. So in heating a lot of food, heating a lot of the food un- allows, unlocking. yeah. So you're unlocking energy, but also some of those proteins, right? That you, you yeah. wouldn't otherwise. I mean, we can di- digest stuff with our enzymes and our stomach and stuff, mm. but um, not quite as well as we can if we sort of preheated it before we eat it. Um, yeah. So that, there's a theory that either cooking food causes us to have bigger brains, or certainly um, it came at a time when we really needed it and allowed us to kind of propagate our bigger brains. Mm. Um, and because our brain sucks up a fair bit of the energy that we uh, that we take in, so that's pretty cool. That this idea of raw diets and stuff like heating food is not bad for us. In fact, it's probably really really important for us. Mm. And that microwaves seem to be the best way to heat stuff. Now it may not give you like some of the aesthetic or tactile joys that cooked food does, like cook conventional ovens do, right? No, well, you list, you, unless it's frying stuff, grilling bacon, stuff, you're, you're burning missing, stuff. That, yeah, that's all really probably. Like, that's so good. When, when it comes but, to food science, like the the chemical reactions that happen when you grill food is a major part of what people dig when they eat food. Like the smells you get from grilling, yeah. um, the, sm- the smell of food, period, right? Those are things that are not nutrient-based, but those things enhance the enjoyment of food, right? Sure. Uh, microwaves you don't, don't make food that's quite as good. Like it's not tasty food, right? So that's probably the real reason not to eat microwave food in general is it's just not that great. Um <laughs> But it's certainly not in a healthy and is probably the healthiest way to cook food. Um, growing up, I, there was a mate of both of ours that would die. Name? Sorry? Name? Uh, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep it anonymous. I like keeping well, it anonymous. It's anonymous to all, including myself right now. But you know those, those microwave sachets for porridge? Yeah. Well, I used to have them heaps. And this guy didn't even bother with a microwave. Which <laughs> just, just ate them? <laughs> just ate them. Yeah. Ate them with milk. No water. You're the type of ones you like add a bit of water to it yeah, yeah. and put it in the microwave. Yeah, no, he, he, he figured that it was expanding in his stomach, so he just needed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I know who this is. You know exactly who it is. Jay, uh, anyway. Uh, so I give you his, his initials, but I think, does that give it away? Oh, no, you can give, give, me, give me the initials. Oh, that, well, no, that, that's my question. No, you can give it to me. Was it JD? No, that's definitely <laughs> that, that's, someone it could be. Yeah, I wouldn't exactly. be surprised with that. Yeah. Um, the man who hates vegetables. <laughs> That he doth. Okay, so I think I feel like we've covered 
microwaves off unless there's any any others uh, well on the topic of heating food yeah one more thing's been getting my goat a little bit yeah and so i mentioned when we kind of spoke about this podcast a few weeks ago i mentioned this one phenomenon that i've just sort of just lately been sort of tuning into which is this whole cold pressed juice phenomenon yep so i've been drinking juice my whole life and up until my juice man i'm a juice man up until a couple of years ago i would never really i never caught notice of this uh, cold press mm. technology that people are espousing to be like what you need the only way to drink juice now right unless you want to again kill the nutrients so cold press juice is about not killing nutrients and I was like oh, I, my mind it's literally just pressing the, the fruit until it makes juice and then just like taking that's the it. juice and that's it, it. Yeah, yeah that's it right and I was like yeah cool I assumed that the alternative was like maybe they're boiling something I don't know what they were doing um but I did some research, and yeah, this has only been around for really a couple of years. And people are saying that it's, yeah, it's way better for you, and it doesn't destroy the nutrients, and it's like the only way to get like all of the, the goodness out of fruit and vegetables. I think I, think I see where this is going. Yeah, I right? like this. And so you're I was talking, like... You're talking microwave juice, aren't you? I'm talking microwave juice. <laughs> now, I'll also talk about how we spoke about this, how we were the forefront of, of cold-pressed juice technology. Sure. We were the crest. We are. are you talking about our carrot experiments? Yes, I am. Ah, yeah, our early experiments in carrot juicing. Um, we didn't write any any papers on it, unfortunately. So no, we the did. Publications we are didn't even write the methods down, no. which is generally how I Un- do science. Unreplicatable. <laughs> yeah, um, it's all anecdotal evidence. So I did some research on it, and yeah, people say that the um, the whole the gist of it is that when you juice stuff normally, you put it through like a blender uh, with like a that spins it really quickly. So it blends it, it spins it, and the juice with some tripod force kind of whips out the side. Yep. They catch the juice, yeah, the classic right? juice. And yep. people are like, juice nah, man, but the blending the of gravitron. it, the, the gravitron, <laughs> the, the tilt a whirl, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, uh, the, the blades, the, the, the finely mincing of the, of the fruit, mm. um, could theoretically heat it up to the point where it's, um, it's damaging the fruit. What? Right? Yeah. No. And killing nutrients. And it clearly, it's like, yeah, like m- chopping things or moving things really quickly can heat things up, right? But we already know that you basically need to get things like above 60 degrees, yeah. if not even closer to 80 uh, or 100 uh, degrees to sort of denature some of these proteins. And have you ever juiced, like you've seen regular juicers? Yeah. Have you ever like had a piping hot glass no. of juice come fresh out of thing? You're like, ooh, that's I've never, hot. I've never it's, like blended some berries. And then yeah, like no, time, like, like it gets blended. I usually like, firstly, they're usually cold, like fruit and veg, which means that they're still well below room temperature. Like you drink them, you're like, well, yeah, that's still below room temperature. It definitely hasn't been heated up, or at least not significantly. And the room temp juice you get from the sort of lesser juice establishments is still just room temperature. So it doesn't seem to be anywhere near the temperatures required to denature proteins. And then if you go even deeper, the way they actually do cold press juice, and this is where our carrot thing comes in. Hmm. Now, listeners... We'll do as an as an aside, a little background. About six or seven years ago, Jazz and I were hanging out. I guess we were really bored, <laughs> and not just bored, but we really wanted carrot juice for some reason. I do recall us throwing a coconut well, this, off the third, yeah. third story window as well. Were we? I don't know why that's part of my memory, but continue. No, with it, was, juice. it was the same. Like it was that same week. Yeah, we just been a week holed up in your apartment, and we were like <laughs> dropping coconuts from the roof, and we were like, anyway, I think it was around the time that Bonnie Junction that juice. Shop was down on the ground floor, and they had the carrot juice, and carrot juice had a oh, real like. Yes. This is a this is a phenomenon in Sydney generally. Those little juice shops that would have like for four bucks those. That carrot juice is. I never really did carrot juice before that. I never knew how good carrot juice could be. 
Anyway, we were talking about this. We just had some carrots in his fridge, but no juicer. But he did have a blender and a plastic bag. So we took the blender. We blended up all of his carrots. Um, we took that sweet blended carrot pulp. The carrot husk. Yeah, carrot husk. We, we took a plastic bag, like a grocery bag. Uh, we poked lots of holes in it, I think with just a fork. And then we put the, all the, the juicy pulp inside, squeezed it out to get the juice out through the holes in the bag. It kind of worked. <laughs> that is more or less what cold-pressed juicing is. We were, we were trailblazers yeah. in, the, in the juice world. Yeah, and we made a, the juice wasn't great, <laughs> I'll be honest. But we did probably get most of the nutrients. Um, so, yeah, people say that cold-pressed juice, what they do is they, they, they blend it, I guess not as much as with a regular juicer, mm. and then they just squeeze it. That's, that's, that, but, that's but, it. But, but so they're still they're blending suggesting it. That, oh, I see what you're saying. They're still blending it. They're just blending it like a little bit less. That's ridiculous. So it's all spin. That's, it's, it's all PR. I actually bought a cold-pressed juice today. Yeah. Not because, it was, it's just because it looked like a good juice. Yeah. But it just shouldn't be a thing that people are like branding things with. It's not, it shouldn't be a marketing term. No, I love the idea that on that micro level, that the more you blend, the more you're heating up these tiny little mm-hmm. molecules. But and, and killing them. Yeah, it's destroying killing them. The, the nutrients, that's yeah. right. Yeah, we, we, we've been just drinking water. Yeah, for N- years. Nutrient death by a thousand spins. Yes, exactly. It's, it's so by, by a thousand cuts. Yeah, right. <laughs> but or extraction by a hundred cuts. Oh. <laughs> it's fine. So that drives me nuts. It's the same thing. It's this general this this fear of of uh, of sort of nutrient death, right? Yeah. Um, with heat. But uh, this is this is um, and if anything, symptomatic we, of a yeah. of a grander malaise, which is going to lead me into the discussion sure. of repeat studies, mm-hmm. where people people mistrust science. Je- like people have a sort of uh, and rightfully skeptic- so. Rightfully so. Like it's part of the scientific method to be yeah. skeptical, right? So you don't just take things at face value. It brought us guns. It's it's a scientific response to look at a piece of research and think and be skeptical about it and try to nut out where it could be going wrong. Cetera, Nobel right? Prize seems so good. Invented by the dynamite but, guy, right? Yeah, exactly right. Th- but, that, there's your science. But my my thesis here is that people uh-huh. are skeptical or they distrust science in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They go completely go the wrong way with it, right? So, what do you mean? Essentially, when as we've, it's been well kind of publicized. Yeah. But science, scientific publication in particular, has a problem with false positives. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of publications that go out there where they show effect sizes for particular interventions or whatever. Right. Um, that don't actually hold up when they do repeat studies. So what a, a repeat or replicate study is is you take that whatever the methods were for one study repeat it and see if you get the same effect for that particular measure you're trying to make, right? Mm-hmm. And over the last sort of seven or eight years... Is that type two error? Good call, my yes. friend. That is very statistical of you. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, so the idea being that um, because of the way you can intentionally but also subconsciously manipulate your data and methods to try mm. to get a result... Um, you find that when you try to repeat those studies, you don't get the same effect sizes. And this is a problem across all branches of science. And and how this, do you reduce your risk of false positives? Uh, you, well, you, you do more of these repeat studies, essentially, right? Or, or, or you tighten up your p-value. What do you say? Say it again. Don't you got you got you got to you got to drop down your your significance cutoff. Well, okay. Well, for a given particular yeah, for a given study. Yeah, well, know, I'm talking about in a given, given study. Yeah, 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 yeah. Be like more. Um, more conservative with your tests and whatever. 
But th this is the crux of why people mistrust science the wrong way, right? So yeah. you should be looking at scientific papers and being potentially skeptical that the results you see might not be as strong as they're being presented to you as, right? Sure. But this level of this type of skepticism is science hasn't shown me an effect, but that's only because science. I'm gonna, not going to miss. I'm going to mistrust science here, and I'm going to presume that the effect still holds, right? So with the microwave idea, right? There's all this. I've presented these people with a whole bunch of these reports, right? Scientific papers saying that there's no effect of microwaves reducing the, the you know, um, uh, nutrient value of foods, right? Mm. And they didn't take that on board. And they were like, you know what? I'm not going to trust. That's, that's just science talking kind of thing, right? But if there was any effect for microwaves to affect the nutrient value of food, that would be shown in some yeah. studies, right? So it's kind of like, imagine like a, a bouncer at, a shoot, at, at Scruffy Murphy's, right? Yeah. If you get led in to, to Scruffy Murphy's, that, that's not proof that you're a good bloke, right? Yeah. Because the, the criteria for getting in is so low. But if you get bounced from Scruffy Murphy's, yeah, <laughs> you know there's something wrong with you, right? So if there's, there's no... Somehow that, that relates. But then, I think so. Yeah. But see, there's, yeah, there's, right. no, there's no... Um, there's really no papers out there showing you that microwaves are detrimental to food, right? Yeah. So if it was detrimental, you would presume to see some of those papers showing you some kind of effect, right? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's less of a problem with false negatives as there is with false positives, essentially. Yeah. So that's why people are kind of come, coming at this the wrong way. So you can look at science and think, Meh, I'm, I'm going to doubt the results of those papers if they're showing positive results. But if they're showing negative results, that's kind of unlikely. Or if there's if there's a sorry if there's a lack of positive results that's kind of unlikely. Yeah, I mean, if what you're saying is that people generally, scientists included, don't put a lot of stock in negative data. Yes. Right. But I guess I guess what I the, the way that it's tested is through these repeat these yes. repeat studies. Yeah. And over the course of the last ten years or so, mm. there's been um, I'll, I'll detail them here. It's quite interesting. I didn't actually know this until I was researching this for the podcast, but there's um, re uh, reproductibility projects happening across many different fields. So across psychology, across um, economic reports and papers and across cancer papers as well. Mm -hmm. So I think in 2008, there was the reproducibility project um, for psychology. And it's quite damning, actually. This one was, was particularly damning. It had, there was 100 studies that they looked at and tried to repeat the results using exactly the same methodology provided yeah. in the study. I think right? I read this actually, mm. yeah. This one's from a while ago. This one's from, um, yeah, sort of 2008. It's almost 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, but it's a, it's a landmark study though, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a big one. So out of... Um, it's a big one. So out of the 100 studies they looked at, 97 of them in the initial um, presentation of results mm -hmm. were, um, sh were showing significant results for whatever effect they were testing. Yeah. Um, and then when they repeated it, only 35 of the studies... Replicated, which is the, what thirty six percent effectively, right? So, thirty six only thirty six percent, roughly a bit more than a third of the studies held up when they were replicated. Yeah, which is that's that's it's massively massive. damning massive. for an entire field, right? Yeah. Surely. Yeah. Um, and if they did replicate, the effects were smaller than the initial sh studies' effects. Sure. So th this is showing you the biases intrinsic in publication, where where mm -hmm. you're 
either through you'd think not through nefarious means but through just subconscious biases when you're modeling things selecting the types of data Mm -hmm. to go in things it affects the results and you're more likely to get a positive result on that thing that you're testing oh totally that's super common but also and it's not this nefarious so you have a bias on that level Mm -hmm. right you have the unconscious bias but you have the conscious bias of the editors who are choosing which papers they're going to publish, right? right. So you submit a paper to a journal. Um, no one wants to publish, quote-unquote, negative results. They're not very exciting. If you look into uh, the study of uh, erectile dysfunction and dental floss, mm. um, if you find nothing, well, why would you? That's a boring paper, yeah. right? But if you, find, if you do the same study, you find something, well, that's much more exciting. Now, technically, both results are equally valid, right? They're both important. It's good to know that not flossing your teeth has got no imp- imp- uh, impact on your erectile yeah. function. That's good. Now but I know. It ain't getting clicks on sites. So it no, getting- it's not. And so, and this is something we see, especially now in the content crazy world we are in, mm. where all we, we need positive results for everything. We need, you know, positive um, court trials. We need, we need things to go down with positive results. We don't want to see things yeah. end um, in a in a in a truce, right? Now, now that shouldn't affect the idea of replicate studies, right? No, it's still shooting those ones that got published. No, so you're, you're you're looking at a bias in terms of what's getting published versus yes. what's missed, which is a big problem, out. right? Yeah, yeah. So theoretically, from the microwave argument, there might be people saying all those microwave studies that didn't show anything didn't get published because it's not relevant. But of course, in that situation, I think it would be relevant. They would they they, would they have a higher chance of being published. So if yeah. you publish something showing a positive result, positive not being good, but positive meaning that you found a difference in like nutrient degradation from microwaving something. Yeah, that would definitely get published versus another paper. Well, that's right. That shows no. So it's even difference. more reason to to yeah have faith in the multitude of uh, papers in terms of the microwave thing. Yeah, bias is on their side. <clears throat> yeah. So that was for psychology. It gets a little bit better as we go up. And this, this might even give you a bit of a hierarchy of the, um, the standard of publication. Oh, I know I heard fields. that. That was on Very Bad Wizards. They discussed that, uh, that article. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, yeah. A podcast, uh, I remember, I, a podcast that we both really love and in yeah. some ways are uh, trying to replicate. <laughs> <laughs> um, How apropos. But yeah, no, they, they talked Tamlo, about that. I the, love you. They talked about that in the context of... Um, of sort of a lot of damning evidence towards uh, the field of uh, mm. sort of social psychology well, and how me, it's incredibly unrigorous, it seems. Well, it, the news gets a bit better when you go into other other fields. So sure. from psychology, we move on to economic reports. Yeah. Um, so this is uh, the Experimental Economic Replication Project, which is a bit more recent, looking at um, articles, 18 studies published in the American Economic Review and Quarterly Journal of Economics from 2011. In 2014, so it doesn't have the same coverage. It's only 11, uh, sorry, 18 as opposed to um, 100 mm-hmm. uh, um, manuscripts. And but, but we know that like psychological papers are highly prone to bias in the first place. Well, like, that's right. Just so because amongst- it's, it's so much harder to control the variables, mm. and like you can have a double-blinded social experiment, but it's really hard to do, right? People mm. get kind of tweak to things sub, subconscious cues all kinds of stuff and then, then you have the interpretation there's so many points where you can sort of inject your bias uh, they're particularly dangerous uh, anyway go on um, yeah so this found that of those 18 let me see if I can read this um, 
uh, 11 uh, replicated. So that's 11 of 18, which is about 61%. So seemingly a little, like quite a bit better than what you were seeing in um, the uh, psychological. Yeah, which I reports. expect if you're doing Although, sort of like. I have, a bone, I have a statistical bone to pick with people that present percentages when you've got a denominator of 18. This is 11 of 18. I think you just leave it as 11 of 18. You don't need to make that 61%. That's such. It's, Frustrates me. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're taught that as part of, as statisticians, we say if the denominator is not greater than a hundred, you don't use percentages. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Is that because they're almost like at that point almost like ordinate values? Well, it does. It, yeah, because what does percent mean? It means out of every hundred. Yeah. You don't have a hundred. You've only got eighteen. So yeah. why don't you just say out of eighteen? Yeah. I dig that. I never. I never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um. On, but here, on average, the replicated effect size was 66% of the original. So again, you've got that problem of even when it was still significant, mm-hmm. the effect size they were showing is is significantly reduced yeah. to the two-thirds of the uh, okay. the original amount. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. So now, the more recent one, and it's about... I think there's stuff that's about to be published in the next little while. But five years ago, there was the cancer study replication project uh-huh. which is conducted by a dr tim errington in the center for open science in charlottesville in the states where's uh, charlottesville charlottesville isn't it like north carolina or that's charlotte charlottesville charlottesville oh, i'll check that out um, rusty 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 where's charlottesville north carolina North Carolina. no you didn't even look that up charlotte. that's charlotte are you even listening to our the podcast you're producing? <laughs> you're the worst goddamn producer I've ever had. In fact, if you know where Charlottesville is, <laughs> leave, us a, leave us a first comment. Um, so five years ago, they studied... They were looking at 50 cancer studies they had on, on the block. Yep. Um, and they, it, they found it was taking them way longer than expected to actually reproduce the studies, um, which itself is a problem because the whole purpose of... Um, medical research well one of the, the sort of principles that we aspire to and when we're conducting research is that it's replicatable right mm-hmm. um, and they'll find replicable re- replicable replicable yeah. right yeah. Um, and they were finding they couldn't actually they couldn't actually do it um, and eventually that took them such a long time took them about five years and the, they released the first tranche of five studies where it was looking pretty dodgy for cancer um, reports as well mm-hmm. they've since released a few more where it's starting to actually look quite good for um, this for the study so most of the cancer studies seem to replicate um, with similar effect sizes so it seems that for cancer studies they seem to be quite replicable um, so to me that's quite interesting because you get you do get this sort of hierarchy of psychological studies economic studies yeah cancer research where it kind of makes sense to me that you're the sort of bars of um, the rigor perhaps required. In all Look, might- I think it's partially the rigor. I think it's partially the nature of those fields, right? Some things are more objective. If you're counting the number of cells that survive versus That's like self-reporting versus um, self-reporting what are those charts called those uh, might not personal scale, um, scale charts, you know, the ones. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, the type of data is being collected is going to lend itself to being more rigorous or not. Yeah. Um, now, certainly there's room for falsifiability, like to, to falsify data across the spectrum, mm. cancer research, whatever. Um, but in general, if it's just, if you if you're, if it's only unconscious biases we're talking about, I think there's less room for those in 
sort of pure and applied basic science. Mm. I think. No, that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. But that was quite interesting. I don't know. I, I, found, I found those particular... The, the, it's great that people are now obviously investing a lot of research mm. into doing this because the problem with this sort of stuff is that you don't get funded often to do the unsexy task of replicating what someone else already did. Totally. Right? Yeah. And also... And that's the, a problem. That, the, is, that is a problem that science has to overcome. We have it, to overcome this idea of, you know, publication is... Yeah. Publication of novel, positive results is better than anything else. Yeah. And so the next big problem that we see with that, and I was speaking to someone about this a couple of days ago, is that, okay, say you publish a, um, a highly biased but positive result in a paper. Yep. So you get published because it's exciting. Um, that study gets reproduced. The study is negative. Now, that study, even though it should be more exciting because it disproved the positive result, yep. It's a negative result, so it's less interesting to a publisher. So that paper is probably not going to get published of its own merit because it's a copycat paper and it's negative. Yeah. So it's not novel in terms of design, and it's not the result that they want to see in the paper. So even if it's in a like say a rival paper, it's just intrinsically not that exciting for yeah. a lot of people, right? Um, now, and also it's kind of like we're over it. We're, yeah, yeah. It's already done. That thing we, that we, I, I heard about a few we, years ago. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, exactly. So it's already the flavor of the month has already passed. So you're sort of behind the eight ball on that. And then when they do get published, and some papers are have a, are motivated to publish those because they are actually interesting and they can knock some uh, maybe some questionable results that are out there. Um, but when that does happen, and if they are accepted, nothing happens to the first paper. There's no mechanism by which it can get taken down. It gets taken. It's still there with all the citations and all, all the, there, and no one publishes retractions. So this has happened a lot, where people write to a, a journal and be like, "Hey, that paper you published has been refuted five times by all this independent research," and they'll say, "Well, that's not our business. We didn't do the, the research. This is where they're safe, right?" Yeah. And then they can then what they t- say is, "We'll bring it up with the authors," and then the authors can do whatever they want. They can not reply. They are under no obligation to do anything. Mm. Uh, If they want to, they can publish a retraction. They can publish an amendment, but they don't have to do anything. So most of the time, um, if these things are challenged, there's just, there's no penalty whatsoever. And then they just, it just all fades into the ether. So this, if we can wrap this up and pull it into what we were discussing about microwaves, that this is a perfect like response, I guess, because if there was any positive effect of microwaves having some effect on food or cancer yeah. or whatever, it's so much easier to publish that paper than it is to publish all of these non-effect papers, exactly. right? Exactly, so, which is why potentially also early research, early highly biased um, research from the 50s about microwaves are probably the only place you'll find positive evidence of microwaving being bad, but they're incredibly unrigorous. Mm. Um, and every paper since has published the negative to it. It's just not particularly interesting. Yeah. I mean, it just it just doesn't make it into big publications, and certainly doesn't make its way into the news. Mm. All right. Well, that's good. That's microwaves. That's Done. microwaves. Use them. Love them. Just don't <laughs> put your head in them. Keep your living tissue out of them. This has been uh, episode three of what's this podcast? What's this podcast called? Uh, Jeremy's, Jeremy's Iron. Iron. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, and yeah, we, we if you want to uh, subscribe, that's what you meant to say, right? Subscribe yeah. to our. Uh, we're on iTunes. That's right. Uh, well, I think we have a Facebook. We have a Facebook. We have a Facebook page. page we have a YouTube channel. Iron, um, uh, we are going to have a listener event soon. Yeah. 
details coming soon about that. I hope once we get some of that ironed out, we have some oh, can, yeah. some some contracts to go through, and it's not it's not as easy as you think. No. To put together a listener <laughs> meetup. Um, our lawyers tell us that's right. <laughs> but we'll catch you next week. Next week, yeah. Jump. Oh, and and feel free to write in with any suggestions or questions you have from uh, from friends who drive you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>